What up, guys? Welcome back to the Banter Boys podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back, Russ, to episode two. I don't, I don't even know what we're calling episode two. Um, what do we call this? Champions? We call this... Uh, champions? I guess I guess you can call it champions. I can also call it champions, too. Insert audio clip. Champion, champion, ole, ole, ole. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, I guess, how, how's everything going on your end, man? How, how's COVID? How's life going on on your end? You're right, where are you right now in the world? So, I'm in a small town called Kitchener. It's not that small. It's, it's pretty small compared to, like, kind of the big cities in Canada. I've been here for, like, the last eight years. I grew up part of my life in Canada, part of my life in Pakistan. I moved back here for university, and I've been here ever since. Uh, it's been good. I've been working from home. COVID has been some of a challenge. But you know what? I think there was a lot of good learning, like Owen's personal reflection during this time. It's still a bit hard to get used to. We're see, we'll see how it goes and how it's going to go. We're soon planning going back to the office. But other than that, it's been okay. Do you find like the draft in fantasy football helped you during this time? Like, it was good to have that distraction. But at the end of the day, like there's just so much going on with COVID, with everything kind of going on with like the Black Lives Matter movement. It was a bit tough to kind of uh, just kind of fully focus on fantasy for that little while. What about you? Where are you? So right now, I'm in Trinidad. I am in the Caribbean. The best place to be, probably. I don't know. Um, like, we isolated the the disease fairly well, I believe, because we're a landmass and stuck in the middle of the ocean, so it's kind of easier to contain mm-hmm. the situation. We have a few cases that are starting to pop up now, because I think, like, the second wave has pretty much started, but life is pretty much normal here, I'd say. Looking to move back to Canada soon as well. Hoping to come play football and do the draft live with you guys this season. Fingers crossed. But can't, can't complain. Things have definitely gotten better. Um, I would say fa- like fantasy football draft in general has helped me massively, I think, as, uh, as a mental distraction. I don't know what I'd do without it sometimes. Like It, it definitely is a plus point in my life, like having this around in my life. You know what I've actually missed during this time? Playing actual football. Yeah, I, I definitely do miss... Uh, I, I miss not making you and, and the other boys. <laughs> keep hearing, keep hearing, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely do miss... like Even the banter on the field, right? It, it, it is, it is yeah. definitely um, an experience, for sure. To play with you guys till sundown. And even... It's crazy how you guys used to play during Ramadan fasting as well, right? You guys... Didn't eat, didn't drink water, but was playing better than some of the guys that didn't fast. But you get used to it. It, it used to be super hot. Like, last couple of Ramadans, it's been kind of coolish. So playing outside hasn't been that bad. But before that, because I remember we played in, like, the dead heat of the summer. And then, oh my god. We couldn't do it more than, like, once a week. So, you know, this season they had water breaks and whatnot, right? They had water breaks for our intramurals during the summer when it was ridiculously hot. We actually had quarters. How did you feel about the water breaks and with the yeah. with the whole five subs rules and everything? Like, do you think that, do you think they should have that moving forward? It was definitely a challenge, and I totally get kind of, the, like, the reason why they did it, right? Most players aren't used to kind of playing proper competitive football during this time unless it's an international competition. So we have to kind of keep that in the mind that at the end of the day, like these are athletes, but these are athletes who didn't have competitive football for like two, three months and then came back to it. So keeping that in mind, I thought it was a great idea. Keep going forward, I think when the water, when the temperature like cools down a bit, like, okay, cool, water breaks won't be necessary. But the five subs thing, I'm still hesitant on. Like I'd have to see kind of how it plays out during the regular season. 
for example, like the Premier League will be back in about, what, six weeks? That's a small little turnover than what it's kind of usually is. So I have to kind of keep that in mind. Uh, some of the players won't get proper time off. Maybe we can like get rid of the water breaks because they're they're sticking with the five subs starting next season. Yeah. So it'll be a bit unique to kind of see how that happens. I think the water breaks were helpful, especially to our side. It was always a good way to kind of kick the squad up the butt and be like, guys, what happened to our tactic? Come on. Every time I found like we had a water break, we'd score a goal. Or there was some pivotal moment during the game that kind of changed it for us. The amount of times that Zayn used to complain, oh god, now Chelsea's going to score. Like He was so upset <laughs> every time we would benefit from the water break. So I definitely do see like the positive and negative side to things, right? Anyways, so the topics that we're going to cover today, uh, we're just going to briefly remind you guys the rules that we play with, how you can find us on uh, social media, how you can contact us and whatnot, how you can listen to the podcasts that we're releasing. We're just also going to uh, talk about the game week that just went by, just briefly. Uh, kind of give you a recap of how our uh, final playoff went down. And uh, throw in this uh, new feature that we kind of got suggestion from one of our listeners for a pub game. Uh, just, you know, a little fun little section that we thought, you know, it's our part. We can do whatever the hell we want, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, just to, uh, like a reminder of also what we're offering um, for the podcast uh, for next season and maybe, you know, seasons to come. Uh, so we're going to basically release some sort of like a draft guide or like an Excel sheet to help you with draft picks for your upcoming season. And then during the season, we're going to review the game weeks and also preview upcoming game weeks. Um, we're going to also mention, you know, people we think should be like your know, weekly waiver uh, wire picks. People that are, you know, low owned in the league that you should definitely go for if you have a spot, right? Uh, we'll update you on how our season is going as well. Uh, just, you know, keep you, keep you in the loop, keep you um, as part of our journey, um, and any answer any burning questions from our listeners coming up. Uh, and in terms of, like, I guess a bit of a roadmap that we've got planned out for the upcoming episodes, uh, so we're pretty much releasing an episode uh, every week, and we're recording basically on Wednesdays, and we release our material by, like, let's say Friday. So for the upcoming weeks, what we're going to do is one week we'll do uh, promoted teams and key players from those teams. Uh, so, so far we've got Leeds, we've got West Rom. Yeah, so Brentford's in the final and they're going to go up against, I think, Fulham. Yeah. I think Fulham's, Fulham's going to come through. Really? Like, I saw their score. They've been playing pretty well. Onoma's been playing pretty good. I saw your boy Ryan Brewster score today. Yeah, that was a good tidy finish. I told you, like, he, he can finish those goals. You did You did mention. Who was the fourth team, by the way? Cardiff. Oh, Cardiff, right. Oh, that was terrible. Okay. Fulham and Cardiff, I think I think Fulham's going to come through. They already have a two-goal advantage right now, and they're playing at home. Yeah. So, unless we're expecting, a, like, a proper championship playoff game, so anything can happen, but, I like, Fulham should come through. You really think Fulham will come through? I think Brentford will come through. Uh, the reason why I think Fulham might come through is just like they know they've, they've played in the Premier League. They've been in and out a few seasons, right? But they know what it takes to get back to the Premier League, right? So they've got that experience. Uh, it, might, it is a bit of a newer squad than it was like two seasons ago. Like last season when Fulham got relegated. But at the same time, some of that culture still remains. So that team does know how to get back into the Premier League. And I think that sometimes that matters. They also know how to get relegated. They also know how to get relegated, but like <laughs> they came back in the first place, right? That's fair. One word with respect to Brentford, at least. Ben Rama. I think he got an assist today, actually. I believe it was uh, Marcondes' goal. Mm -hmm. The header or whatnot. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was a they, yeah. they were playing some good football today. Not gonna lie. Um, Swansea were kind of defending for their lives at one point. They made it interesting at the end, though. Yeah, they did. One more goal, and they would have tied it up. Yeah. So we're gonna cover promoted teams. We're gonna talk about those key players, and then for the weekly pods, one uh, episode we're gonna talk about your defenders, who to draft and whatnot. Then the next week, midfielders. Next week after that, forwards. And then the week before, we're doing our, our draft. At least we're gonna talk about goalkeepers and maybe discuss predictions for how we think next season's table is gonna look like. I think we're aiming to do our draft on September 5th. I'm hoping so. I really hope so. Because the season starts on September 12th. Yeah, hopefully. We like to do it a week before. Yeah, and probably the night that we do our draft, we would release the guide and the Excel sheets. All you got to do is send us a message on Twitter. And what we'll do is just ask you to basically retweet us, retweet the pod, uh, follow us. And yeah, we'll give you an Excel sheet uh, that you can access uh, for your draft. And right before the season starts, we're just going to, I guess, talk about how our drafts went. Any early waiver wire picks that you can maybe manage if you have space on your team. And talk about the transfer market. But I think we're going to end up talking about the transfer market almost all the episodes. Yeah, I, I think transfer market would have to be something that we would talk about regularly. Just because like, we're getting a lot of news already. Like Brian's already signed two players. So like that sort of stuff. So we'll kind of talk about them. We'll do a little scouting report on kind of who to look out for who we think is going to be impactful, who we think is going to flop. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's start off. So just to remind you, um, the rules that we kind of play with in, in our league, we play with 10 people, um, and we use a snake order draft. Uh, we do play with auto-subs as well. Boo! <laughs> and so we have a league, and we go into playoffs. Our league goes until the end of game week 35, and playoffs from 36 to 38. And we have perks for this split sort of style of playing. So the perk uh, for the league table winner at the end of 35 is the draft number of their choice, which is me, moi, you know, I'm going to take that. I'm going to go with probably last pick as I usually do. And then the perk for the playoff uh, winner is a player from their current team for the next season, right? Uh, but because of the whole COVID situation, we kind of eased off the, the perks a bit. So we went with the results from the previous season. So I still did win that league table. But then we had Daniel that won the playoffs. But I mean, we could talk about who won the playoff final this season, Ross. I was just going to mention, I know like some leagues don't like playing with playoffs. It's a tough way to kind of incentivize everyone. But in that sense, we do kind of have a participation merit where you have to stay active. They are part of our WhatsApp group. That gives us a little metric on knowing how active players are. Because that kind of what we said in the first episode is players kind of drop off and they stop being active. It's not fun for everyone. Like, if I go up against Sanji and Sanji hasn't been active for a few weeks and Sanji's team decides to go off, it'd be super unfair to me because I would have been thinking this would have been a walk in the park. But Sanji has one player who scored five goals and gets like 100 points. That's kind of our metric of making sure that people are staying active and it's kind of fun for everyone. So I know people don't really like playoffs because it is a very Americanized version of the game. But this is how we're kind of combating the participation it. Yeah, because teams that were 5th and 6th, they started to give up in the past when we didn't have the playoffs and whatnot. And we were like, okay, come on, guys. We want you to you know, start your, start your strongest roster, right? We want to go down to the wire. We want to see out the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think playoffs have been a great addition to our mm-hmm. season, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Russ, do you want to kind of highlight how people can actually contact us on social media and what platforms we have for the podcast? Yeah, for sure. We're on Twitter. Our handle is at BantaB. 
So that's B-A-N-T-A-H-B. We are on Spotify. We upload on SoundCloud. We are also on Pocket Casts and hopefully Google Podcasts soon. There was a bit of a glitch this week, but I think we should be up. It just takes a while to be up on Google Podcasts. We are still waiting to be on Apple Podcasts, and hopefully that should come soon. And as soon as we do, we'll kind of update our Twitter page. But our main way to message us, get in touch with us, is through Twitter. And we're going to try our best to stay active, engage with our listeners, engage with people who have questions. We'll also do our own little commentary on Twitter, too, on how the seasons are going draft, fantasy stuff, and football in general. Sounds good. Why don't we talk about how this last game week went? Just to kind of do like a light review of how the fixtures went down. I think we had 33 goals in total in the final game week. Only three clean sheets, uh, both Manchester clubs and Chelsea. Though I don't know if United counts as a Manchester club. Aren't they like in the greater... Yeah, I like to call it the greater Manchester club. They're just outside of Manchester. All the Manchester United fans that are listening... Uh, know that you're not actually in Manchester, so Greater Manchester United. Yeah, so I probably should rethink those names, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and there were some key matchups, like the Champions League playoffs, uh, Wolves versus Chelsea, United versus Leicester, and then mm-hmm. the uh, relegation battles, Aston Villa versus West Ham, Watford versus Arsenal, and Bournemouth versus Everton. You know, the teams that we predicted to stay up, neither of them ended up staying up, and Aston Villa snuck in. Yeah, I thought Watford would stay up. Yeah, I thought Bournemouth would stay up. Watford just needed a point. And they almost kind of squeezed a point, you know? They made it interesting for Arsenal. Like, it finished 3-2, but Watford could have snuck a win. Yeah, I mean, it's Arsenal defense, right? What do you expect? Mm-hmm. It's always an unpredictable result when it, when you're talking about Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. For sure. David Lewis can be the best defender and the worst defender. You know, Bournemouth got the win they needed. And you know what sucks? We talked about this in our group earlier this week. The whole VAR call when Aston Villa played Sheffield and Nalan took the entire ball for a joyride behind the post. Mm-hmm. What, they claimed that the technology wasn't working? Yeah, it was a dead spot. What are your thoughts on that? I don't like the fact that like some people can kind of pinpoint their entire season to a singular moment. Because there are way more moments to play better and get your points there, right? So, for example, last season, everyone kind of put down Liverpool not winning the title because of losing to Manchester City, but Liverpool were kind of at their own fault for drawing to Leicester and kind of losing points there. And it's the same thing here. Bournemouth had opportunities to win. Bournemouth had opportunities to get points, and they didn't. So you can't blame it on the Aston Villa and Sheffield game, where if Sheffield had won, Aston Villa would not be in the same position. But that can trigger so many things. Aston Villa could have get some points off of Liverpool. Aston Villa could then play completely different against West Ham on the last day. So to kind of put your entire season on that one moment saying this was unfair to us. Yeah, it's unfair. Decisions go both ways. And yes, it is completely on the Premier League and on the stadiums kind of keep track of these dead spots as what they called it. They said because of the camera angle, we couldn't actually do like goal line technology, but you can't put an entire season on one singular moment. It's a 38 season game. There are way more opportunities to win. At the end of the day, you should be in control of your own destiny in a sense. Yeah, you you shouldn't let it come down to such a slim margin, basically. Yeah, exactly. So it is unfair to Bournemouth. It is unfair to Watford in that situation. But decisions go your way. Decisions don't go your way. VAR is still a you know, work in progress and it's the first time they've implemented over like multiple leagues so they're still learning from it. I think VAR is necessary 
I think it's about time that there's some form of video refereeing in the football world, but it's just going to take a bit to kind of make it perfect. We can't just be like, oh, just because it didn't work in this situation, we should get rid of it. Because that was also some of the calls, which I was like, no, like, that's not how it works. Like, you have to give it time, right? In the cricket world, they did some of these video refereeing, the DRS method, the Hawkeye method. It took a bit, but eventually it's now pretty good. I think for me, two things about it is that the pitch side monitors, the referees really need to start using them. Like, mm-hmm, what's the point mm-hmm. of having them? You might as well hook up a PS4 or PS5 up to it and play some FIFA on the side. Like, use a damn monitor. And the other thing is, you see when it comes down to, like, pixels of someone's shoe? Nah, man. It should be clear and obvious, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's taking you that long to make the decision, then give the goal. It really shouldn't be that hard. Because I've been to a couple games, right, last season. Because while I was studying in, in Leeds, plug Leeds for making, you know, EPL. Leeds! <laughs> when I was in the UK, I managed to go to a Champions League game. It was Chelsea versus Valencia, group stage game. And I was there for, like, the whole VAR call and whatnot. It's a very frustrating experience because you have no idea what's going on. They don't really show you what's going on. You're just there sitting in silence. And the crowd is basically just chanting in anger, you know, F-VAR, F-VAR, F-VAR. That makes sense, though, because you don't want the fans to influence the decision. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, the length of time that it takes is my point. It shouldn't really take that long. For sure, yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a work in progress. Uh, Hopefully... They're going to take some learnings from it from this season, take some learnings from other leagues, from the Champions League, and hopefully make it better. Hopefully in like a season or two, we'll get a, a more finalized version of what video refereeing could look like. Yeah. And hopefully it'll be a lot better than it is now. Yeah, hopefully it gets better. So it's super inconsistent right now too. Yeah. I think that's people's frustration is that it's super inconsistent. And we need to standardize it and get rid of those inconsistencies. So do you think the uh, the teams that went down deserve what were coming to them, Bournemouth and Watford? Bournemouth and Watford tried really hard to stay up. Especially after the position Watford was in near the mid of the season when they when they got Nigel Pearson. And Nigel Pearson took them out of the relegation zone, which was really good for them. But at the same time, it sucks, right? It's like someone has to go down. Even if everyone plays great football, there will still be three teams at the bottom. Four managers in one season. That is ridiculous, though. Yeah, it's that management. I don't like the way they operate in terms of a new manager every season. But you'll miss a lot of good quality football. They did kind of have their moments in the Premier League. And same for Bournemouth, right? Like, they did try towards the end. Yeah, they had a tough season this time with injuries and everything. But sometimes it just comes down to luck. And Aston Villa had that. You know that. Yeah. Even with Bournemouth, like, you can't be conceding more than 60 goals for the past five seasons, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this season was probably their least in terms of the number of goals that they scored for themselves, right? And, I mean, you take away Ryan Frazier from that, I believe, what was it, seven goals, 14 assists? Mm -hmm. That's a giant chunk. And you take away his assists, you're taking away goals from Callum Wilson, from King, from Golanke, Mm -hmm. you know? I know it's Solanke. We call him Golanke. Just deal with it. (laughs) Golanke. Chelsea, Chelsea legend. legend. Anyways, honestly, all this talk of VAR has uh, pissed me off, and I kind of need a drink. Uh, Ross, I'm going to get you some water. I'm going to get a pint, all right? We'll be back, guys. What up, guys? We're back. Welcome back. So I thought for the you know second half of our session, we'll talk about how our playoff final went. And uh, we'll, we'll play a pub game, you know. Um, we're going to have a different game every episode. 
Uh, hopefully, it's you know it's a bit interactive. You can kind of take part in it if you want. I, I would suggest you know drop a comment on our tweet when we drop the episode, and we'd like to know your opinion on the games that we play or whatnot. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So, Ross, tell me, how did the playoff final go? So, congratulations to Sanjay. He won after losing in four consecutive finals. About goddamn time. Fourth time is a charm. It was good for him to kind of get that monkey off his back. Giant freaking monkey. And you know, as the back that keeps coming, too bad, Sanji, it actually didn't count. Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm still going to take my win because we had enough serious people in the playoffs and y'all can suck it. Like I told you, like my team peaked. I had one assist the entire game from all my players. Mane didn't start, which was a challenge. I picked up Pulisic off the waiver wire, which, screw you, Sanji, didn't, didn't give me any points. <laughs> Asian Pulisic, he totally screwed you over. Richardson, who was my other number one option, he also didn't give me any points. And this is the challenge of kind of keeping it going for the last game week. Because for you, Sanji, Trent didn't start. No, he didn't. I dropped him. Mm -hmm. That was a painful moment. So the players that you picked up, they were Pulisic and it was Trezeguet, right? Of Aston Villa. Did you really have a strategy going into the final? I honestly thought that I would kind of stick with my team. Even though I had Inglings at the back of my mind that like uh, Bernardo Silva didn't start and uh, Mane didn't start. But I had enough depth in my team to see like Antonio was playing well. Lacazette was also starting. At home, he's pretty good, especially when he's linking up with Aubameyang. Uh, Mason Greenwood has also been like on fire recently. So I thought with these things in play... I would be able to kind of like, you know, give you a challenge, but I think I only mustered maybe like, what, 45 points? 42 points. 40, oh my god, yeah, of course you remember. Yeah, your best player was actually Aspilicueta, 9.5 points. Uh, your worst person being Antonio, minus three. I think he got a yellow card and came off at the halftime. Yep, he did nothing in the first half and then came off. You could have definitely used that 61-pointer that you had against Daniel. <laughs> pre-playoffs when uh, Antonio scored four goals against Norwich yeah man that must have been a great uh, game week for you that was I think I had like 170 points or something that game week you had the highest that game week for sure how was your game week my one was pretty good I had a lot of open spots on my team because I mean like a madman I had dropped Pulisic and I had dropped Richarlison during my semi-final playoff because we play with auto subs so I had a lot of points on my bench that I kind of wanted to bring on I usually have the strategy that I find works for me. It's kind of a safe strategy, but it's almost getting uh, players that are similar to yours, and especially in the back line, right? On the waiver wire, I ended up picking up uh, Richarlison, Conor Harham, Cancelo, Ben Davies, and Ceballos um, from Arsenal. So the reason I went for Davies was because you had Aurier mm-hmm. uh, from Spurs. So I thought, you know what, they might be able to keep a clean sheet against Crystal Palace. And the other reason I went for him is Crystal Palace, uh, it, lately, they conceded a lot of goals on their right side of the defense, Joel Ward, right? So I thought he might have been able to create some chances down that left side for them, uh, along with Hyungwin Sun. And he actually ended up outperforming Aria, not by much though, maybe like uh, 2.5 points, I think. Yeah, both players that played that well. Yeah, and the reason I went for Richarlison is, again, Bournemouth needs to attack. I thought there would have been space at the back. It was still a gamble that I thought was worth taking. And then I went for Herhan because, I mean, he's on a lot of the set pieces and sometimes even the corners. So I thought it was a safe bet as well for getting up chances created and picking up some points. And I definitely went for Cancelo because they were playing Norwich. And 
based on Pep's comments, he was like, he wanted to take momentum going into the cup games in the Champions League, right, against Madrid. And in the last few games, Cancelo was putting up really, really good numbers. Basically, 15.25 against Southampton, 21 points against Watford. So, I mean, it was a decent gamble to take, I think. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he ended up getting 14 points, right? Which included a yellow card. Six dribbles, one aerial, an accurate cross. And you had Ederson, so you had the double clean sheet. Yeah, the double clean sheet. And Ederson turned out to be my best player that game week, which was really weird with 16 points. But, I mean, all in all, I ended up with 77.25 points. And you know what? This is probably, like, the lowest scoring final that we've had which is really weird. I also picked up Diego Rico, but I dropped him. And Rico ended up getting around 22 to 23 points. Um, he ended up getting an assist off a set piece for Golanki, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, I thought I had a fairly decent strategy going into it. And I used the auto-subs option. Ross didn't. He's not a fan of it. And you know what? To each their own. But I don't think I even ended up needing it because I won by a fairly decent margin. So I'm going to take that trophy, my little fake little trophy that none of you guys will acknowledge. But I'm still going to put it on my mantle. I'm still going to celebrate it. (laughs) Insert champions chant from Ross. Champion, champion, ole, ole, ole. I think it was a great season altogether, and I'm looking forward to next season's draft already. Like, I've already started planning up everything. I've started the sheet and whatnot. Of course you have. Of course I have. Take a little break. Uh, no, I don't believe in breaks, to be honest. Oh, you know what? I was almost tempted to join the Scottish Premier League. They released that as well, and it's all over the Twittersphere for fantasy football. I don't think I'm that much of an addict, though. I'm going to just stick to draft and FPL, I think, this season. Is UCL fantasy going to be back? Oh my god, I need to check on my UCL team. That's true. Ooh. Thank you for that reminder. I'm doing terribly, to be honest, but I'm still going to keep up with it. It's, it's fun. It keeps me busy. But yeah, at the end of the day, Sanji won, which congrats to him. It was... I know, finally. It was a little scoring, but it was good for him. Even if the win doesn't count, he can take this experience into the next time he's in the final. <laughs> it's like that little video of the glitch in FIFA when the players are celebrating lifting a trophy and there's like no trophy in their hand. That's basically me right now. No shame. I think I think that's enough about our playoff final. How about we play the game that we actually got from our WhatsApp group, a suggestion for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, a suggestion that I think we stole. But yeah, you want to break the game down for us, Ross? Yeah, so the game is that you pick your starting 11 for the season and you have nine substitutes, but you can only pick one player from each team. Uh, Sanji, do you want to talk about your team first or should I? Uh, you can go ahead, man. Okay, so I'll start off. I chose the formation of 4-3-3. Because it's obviously the most superior formation right now. Oh, me too. Uh, I have Nick Pope in goalie. Yeah, that's pretty good. As right back, I have Aspilicueta. Uh, as my first center back, I have Virgil van Dijk. As my second center back, I have Chris Basham. And as my left back, I have Luca Dean. So those are my defenders. My midfield, I have NDD in the holding position. Then playing in front of NDD, I have Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes. So those are my starting midfielders. And as my forwards, I have Adama Traore on the left wing. I have Obama Yang on the right wing. And playing up top, I have my energizer bunny, Danny Eggs. These are my substitutes. My goalie substitute is Matt Ryan. My fifth defender is Jamal Lewis. And my last defender is Serge Aurier. My midfield substitutes are Jack Grealish, Declan Rice, and Lerma. Uh, my forwards are Sim Maxem, Ismail Yassar, and Jordan Ayu. 
And that's my team. I think I got everyone from all 20 Premier League teams this season. What do you think? I think my squad's going to beat your squad. But you know what I think we should do? I think we should draw these teams out and pit them on Twitter and let people rate them, you know? Let's see what people think, you know, whose squad will beat whose. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a pretty good squad. You know what? We actually have a lot of similar picks. I'll I'll let you go. Yeah, I'm going to run through mine. Um, So I went for 4-3-3 as well. You know, best formation this season, I think, hands down. And I kind of picked the players that you can kind of tweak it to a 5-3-2 or maybe a 5-2-3, depending on how you want to play. Mm-hmm. So my starting lineup, I would say, I went with Aubameyang uh, on the left wing, uh, Raul Jimenez up top, uh, Vardy on the right. So I think Vardy can play on, on the right just because uh, towards the end of the season, he kind of started playing that supporting role for the other players. If you look at that Sheffield game, he set up so many chances uh, for Harvey Barnes, uh, for Perez, uh, for Ian Nacho. So I think he has the ability to play on that right wing. But anyways, uh, going through the midfield, uh, KDB and Bruno, hands down, my attacking midfielders. Uh, Declan Rice sitting in front of the back line. On my left side uh, of the defense, I'm going with Luka Dean, Tarkowski and Basham as my centre-backs. And TAA as my right back. I'm sorry, but that was the first name on my sheet. That guy is my bae. TAA is bae. T-Bay bae. I think any Liverpool defender would be the first name on your sheet. I think for me, I wrote down Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. Well, first, I went through the Premier League standings and I was like, oh, Liverpool number one. I'll pick them. I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing. Yeah. So, and then I went with uh, Foster as my starting keeper. Listen, Foster was a beast towards the end. He racked up so many saves and saved the penalty against Sterling for that game against Man City. For hands on, I think he was honestly Watford's best player. I mean, debatable. People probably gonna say Ismaili Sar was pr- pretty awesome, but I don't know. His form kind of was a bit seesawy for me. And my subs: Danny Ings, my backup striker, backup winger Alan Saint Maximum, backup midfielders uh, Grealish and Mason Mount, and Emmy Buendia. I love Emmy Bendia from Norwich. Definitely a player I think that needs to come back into the Premier League. And backup defenders, I went for Rico from Bournemouth, Ori as a backup right back. And I thought this was a bit of a maverick pick. I don't think a lot of people would have picked him, but Dan Byrne from Brighton. And I think he's very flexible in the positions that he can play within a team. And he's got that height advantage. So if I'm going for a goal at the last minute, I'm going to throw that tall motherfucker on. Like, yeah. I think he's going to score a goal. There you go, you know? And my backup keeper being Vicente Guaita from Crystal Palace. But yeah, I think my 11 can take your 11 on, to be honest. You think so? We should, like, simulate it in FIFA and get them to play out yeah. and see what the result ends up being. That would actually be really dope. What my strategy with this team is, I'm hoping that there's... I have an incredibly fast front three with Adama Traore, Danny Ings, and Obama Yang. And I'm hoping Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes, and including uh, Virgil van Dijk, can just keep pinging balls and allow the front three to kind of run behind the defense and kind of like, you know, give the defense a tough time. So that was kind of my strategy. If I'm putting Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes in this team, I need a front three that can just run. And all three of these players are incredibly quick, are incredibly physical and great on the ball. Yeah. And two of them are tied for second position for the top two scores. So I was just like, you know what? We've got some finishing. We've got creativity. And that's the only reason why I didn't go for Trent. Because I thought that there's enough creativity in the midfield that I can... You can never have too much creativity. <laughs> <laughs> I think top two or top three players that you'd pick out of Liverpool would be Trent, Virgil, and maybe one of their like frontmen, and Robertson. But Sadio Mane and Virgil van Dijk are probably my two favorite Premier League players right now. 
But I was like, man, I need Virgil van Dijk on that team. Incredible defender. Didn't he play like every minute of every match this season? Something ridiculous like that? Yeah, there is a stat that ever since, I think, Aspilicueta when Chelsea won a few years ago, to play every minute on a title-winning team. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, that's kind of also why I went with like as few centre-backs as possible. I was like, I don't, my centre-backs are going to survive. I'm going to plug my mm-hmm. my subs into the attacking mm-hmm. uh, portion of it. I mean, especially even during COVID right now, players got injured, players got tired and whatnot, and you need those legs, right, for those minutes. So I, I think we p- picked some two really, really good teams. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think my front three will give your slow-ass defenders a bit of a tough time. I mean, you're going to need the ball to be able to challenge my slow-ass defenders. I think uh, my possession-based midfield... I don't know. I think, I think I've think i got you, so we should see. My midfield is almost the same <laughs> as yours. It really is, though. <laughs> I think Bruno Fernandes, as much as it hates for me to say this... I think Bruno Fernandes is an incredible player and United are incredibly lucky to get him. Because United before Bruno and United after Bruno, completely different team. Even without Pogba. We're not even including Pogba in this team yet because Pogba only came back after Project Restart. But it sucks for me to say that they got an incredible player. Like if you see his first touch, his ability to look for that pass, I'm just like, oh my god, I can't believe United got this player. I was going to hope for a couple more years of good United banter, but you know what? That might have to slow down a bit. I mean, you can still give them banter. They're still a bit of a shit club. <laughs> so I'm curious, though. Like, if, if you had first pick, right, are you going to take uh, KDB or uh, Bruno? KDB. I think talent-wise, KDB is the best player. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah, numbers-wise as well. Uh, he's the best player in the league right now. Now, if he's going to win player of the year, I think we can have that discussion later on. But I think talent-wise, he's probably the best player in the Premier League and probably the best midfielder in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. If you look at the points for a table, based on like the scoring that we use, which is uh, the Togo scoring, the guy racked up 710 points this season. That's first place, right? You know second place? Who's in second place? Can you take a guess? Uh, isn't it Sadio Mane? No, it's Trent. Trent is actually in second place with 534. Look at that. That oh gap is absolutely ridiculous. The gap is absolutely ridiculous. But, I mean, that being said, I think Bruno can probably fall inside that 600 range if he maintains that form, right? For for the rest of the Mm -hmm. season. And United need to make sure to not overplay him. Yeah, I mean, Ole definitely did overplay him. No need to play him in the cup games, especially the 120 minutes against Norwich, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Bye. Anyways, I think we've kind of rambled on long enough uh, this episode. So we've got a lot of work to do on our end. More content coming your way to help the listeners out with their draft. Uh, we won't leave you in the dark at all. Is there any sort of final point, final thoughts that you have, Ross? No, now that the Premier League is over, hopefully we have a good end to the Champions League. And like I'm looking forward to what the next season is going to be. And again, we'll be with you next week and we'll start kind of talking about the draft and kind of like lead up to that. But I'm already pretty excited for what the Premier League is going to be next season awesome yeah same here just to wrap up guys don't forget to follow us on twitter at banta b you can find us on soundcloud you can find us on spotify we should be on apple Podcasts pretty soon but we are on most platforms yeah almost all yeah that's about it yep bye bye everyone thanks for listening see you next week all right guys see you next week yeah bye